Welcome to Awards Radar, the podcast. A weekly discussion of the awards races, Hollywood news, and the films you should have on your radar. Here's your host, Joey Magidson. Hey everyone, and welcome back to the Awards Radar podcast. We promise we're less angry this time. Um, mostly. As always, I am uh, Joey, and... Uh, you know what? We're going to end the podcast in the middle because rules are out the window, according to fucking Steven Soderbergh. Um, and I'm joined by Miles. Hi, everybody. Who needs structure? Uh, Steven Soderbergh desperately, in that case, needs structure. Um, and uh, and Steve. Hi, everybody. Structure who needs. Ah, mm. I see what he did there. See, we were going to have uh, Ryan, but instead it's going to be Anthony Hopkins. <laughs> Oh but darn! Anthony he's asleep. asleep. He missed it. Yeah, he'll he'll send a message tomorrow. Yeah, thanking thanking us. Uh, yeah, we're we're not going to talk much about it because we really uh, <laughs> we really said a lot in the first episode. That was this week. That was supposed to be a short like half hour recap, and we did a full on episode. So this will be the shorter like addendum. We got uh we have the season finale of Sugar and Spicy. We're going to talk about. Some of the uh, trailers we haven't mentioned recently. Uh, we'll talk a little bit about Mortal Kombat because, you know, this year's Oscar race has begun. And uh, we'll do a uh, staff-generated Filmaholic face-off, which uh, we're going to start with right now. And we're pulling from the films that won Oscars on Sunday night. So there were... 14 i believe but we're gonna get rid of the shorts because that's not really a fair fight and miles has uh, a hatred for cephalopods so remember there's no octopus teacher in this ranking well listen so, you told me last week that you interviewed the octopus and he didn't like my short film so me and the octopus are feuding it's official get your hashtags ready season two of sugar and spicy there's going to be an octopus sugar versus you know what octopus <laughs> no you know what there should be uh, – he should have – I'm surprised I didn't mention this to you earlier, so it could have been the finale. He should have a spiritual advisor, my octopus preacher. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> it's so stupid it works. Um, all right. So, yeah. The uh, first uh, film walk face-off, Promise a Young Woman or Ma Rainey's Black Bottom? We, we know my answer. I think we might have the same answer. Promising young woman by a mile. Yep. Yeah. Promising young woman. All right. Uh, Judas and the Black Messiah or Soul? Judas by a mile. Definitely Judas. It was my favorite film of the nominees. Judas, but not by a lot. It's a close one. The Father or Sound of Metal? Ooh, that's a good one. This is the moment where I embarrassingly admit that I still haven't seen The Father, but based on the Oscars that it win, apparently it's pretty good. So sight unseen, I'm going to go with that. Mm. See, you're just going to feud with Anthony Hopkins and an octopus? I'm not feuding with Anthony Hopkins. I'm singing his praises. He's going to feud with you when he finds out you haven't watched a movie. Well, I'll get around to it. It's not in theaters anymore. You know, he, he has seen your film. Anthony Hopkins? Yeah, he didn't care for it either. Well, you know. I'll make a better one next time. What's the Ed Wood line? Worst film you ever saw, huh? Well, the next one will be better. Uh, Worst film you've ever seen so far. Um, So, Steve, which one are you on? It's a close one. I'm going to go with Sound of Metal. 
Uh, same. Not super, super close. The Father's good. I just think Sound of Metal is very good. Um, the next one. Mank or Tenant? <laughs> I, I, I thought that was a good one to compare. Uh, Mank, obviously. I'll go Mank. I haven't seen Tenant. Yeah, Mank. <laughs> um, Mank, Mank as well. Tenant's fine, but it's uh, the weakest one on the list. And I saved the last one for last, you know, Steven Soderbergh. Uh, it could be a recurring thing where I'm angry at him. Nomadland or another round? This might be the toughest one. I, I know what I was doing. I think I'm going to go another round. I think that one stuck with me more, especially the ending. Yeah, I would go with another round as well, because uh, although I rated Nomadland higher, I would much rather watch another round again and probably numerous times in the future. Nomadland does not seem like a film I want to revisit. Fair. I mean, that is the same situation I think I have. I gave Nomadland three and a half. I gave another round three, but I'd probably watch another round first. So I guess I'll, I'll join in the sweep. We, we, we swept almost all of these. Um, not as uh, climactic as we thought. Go figure. Um, yeah, so that happened. Uh, yeah, Oscars... We'll just quickly say that the uh, ratings came in and they sucked, which we knew that was, you know, was always going to be the lowest rated Oscars, probably, if not in history, in, you know, decades and decades and decades. So not a surprise. A little surprising how bad it did. Also a little surprising how the uh, Oscar, like, powers that be were quick to defend Steven Soderbergh. Would have thought they would have maybe tried to throw him under the bus. But no, they, uh, they seemed fine and or dandy with how it turned out which raises a whole other host of issues so you know i saw we uh on our twitter account we're asking about what you would do to to improve to change you know maybe even save the oscars so uh everyone can can give their uh, suggestion steve you have one of uh, what you would do to write this uh little bit rickety ship at the moment i would just go back to there's a reason we all grew up loving the Oscars and they seem to have forgotten that and they seem to have forgotten film and how much it puts you in awe and gives you the chills and all that stuff. There was no emotion in that unless you know these actors, unless you know their stories. And for those people who didn't, especially this year, when a lot of these, uh, a lot of the films not nominated <laughs> didn't get a lot of play in your regular America home, um, it was just listening to strangers tell their stories that you didn't care about. So they took the, the universal language of film and they put it to the side and they forgot the, uh, they forgot the audience. So I think go back to film clips when you have a, uh, when you're, you're respecting the people or memory or remembering the people who passed on gives people some time to remember who they are, a film clip here or there, you know, I, I, they didn't. Do, I don't think they had. A, did they have a single soundbite in there? I don't recall. If they I don't did think they really. did. No. No. Also, completely emotionless. Yeah. You know, usually, I'm I'm close to tears, or you know, or or have the chills and all that stuff. I felt nothing. And I think Speak. if that's me, I'm sorry, real quick. If that's me, yeah. Think about the the people who haven't seen these films, the people who don't know film as well as I do. Yeah, speaking speaking of um, emotionless, you did sound like a Russian like sleeper cell from the sixties. Regular American home. 
I don't know what you call people anymore. Average a, Joe seems a, like an insult a, these days. A number one, Chief. Um, <laughs> yeah, Miles, how are you? How are you saving the Oscars? Uh, well, I definitely want to echo everything Steve said. I think there was something missing. Like all the films and nominees felt like sort of boxes to be ticked rather than and they Mm -hmm. tried to make it emotional and they tried to make it more about the people but i think without those film clips without the real sense of showmanship i mean people are mixed on whether the oscars need a host i don't know that they need a host necessarily but somebody needs to be steering the ship um and also this may be an obvious one but you end with best picture don't yeah. don't ever fucking do this cynical grab at a bittersweet moment that didn't even materialize. Like if there's no other lesson to be learned, you end with best picture because that's like, mm-hmm. come on, that's the obvious yeah. one. Um, yeah, I'm I'm all for the no host thing. I don't think we've missed one this year. We needed a host um, when you didn't have a movie to grab people to tune in mm-hmm. and you you know, didn't have the normal sense of pomp and circumstance, have a host, like go, go big, you know, get, get some massive name who can, you know, instead of playing trivia or, you know, admittedly, I didn't dislike Regina King's like, you know, opening thing, but like she might as well have been the host then. And there you go. Well, or even you could do something where you have a few hosts and you have them sort of tag yeah. team throughout the night. Not yeah. not one of these stupid like James Franco and Hathaway things where you get two people with no chemistry to just No, but like the year or two bits. where they had like seven or eight hosts and they just took a turn. Right, exactly. Yeah, that's, that's I, th- I think there's something to that. So at least then there's a unified sense of presentation as opposed to people getting up because it's their turn to talk. Yeah. And then maybe question. you might Is is this right. one of the shortest ceremonies in no it went a half hour over so it was just it was as long as always it felt long but it didn't feel no it it ended after 11 um you know what i think i think the like multi-host idea has potential because also you might be able to get some bigger like people to do like a swing by you know like listen barack obama is not hosting the oscars but if you can get him to come out and do like five minutes on stage you might do it and like there you got something people talking about the next day Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. In. Well, because it's a much lower commitment. There's a lot less pressure to sort of live up to great hosts past and all that kind of thing. You just get people yeah, to come in, the... do a few categories and get out. Yeah. And yeah. I think uh, in this year, they should have done more to cite film in, in general. So, you know, without the, the lead in of a movie everyone's seen or a lot of people have seen, they could have paid tribute like I started to talk about last time, you know, pay tribute to Parasite. How many people have seen Parasite since last year? A lot. Mm-hmm. You know, pay tribute to that. Talk about, you know, some of the biggest wins of all time. Like, you know, celebrate film. It's Hollywood's biggest night. Um, I've been, I was not arguing, but debating with some people on, on Twitter today because they, you know, they, they jumped to like, it's because you're not nominating big films. One, there weren't any. So don't even try that this year. And two, it goes back to the whole, you know, popular versus good thing. And and you you don't in a normal year, it, smaller movies make a ton of money. Like Green Book made three hundred and something million dollars globally, and that's a small movie. You know, the we've had a couple of smaller winners in the last couple of years, and that's fine. But it's not a yeah. We're not better off by having giant movies because the giant movie has to be good first. You can't you can't retroactively decide that you know good and popular are the same thing otherwise 
you know, way, Pirates of the Caribbean 6 is nominated for Best Picture, and that's not making any lineup better. And it's not really changing the ratings because you're still appealing first and foremost to, to the lovers of film and you do more to like screw up the race. Like if every year had the blind side, one of those, that would do more to hurt the Oscars than help. You know, it would it would maybe help the ratings, but it hurts the prestige. You have to balance both things. And I just don't think people think about that. So they kind of what you guys said, you got to get back to your roots. And, you know, next year when the movies are back, let the movies sort of speak for themselves, which they didn't have the confidence to do this year. And that was a shame. Well, and it was such a missed opportunity because the the ceremony is airing right around the time that people are starting to get fully vaccinated. And it's a very real, you know, prospect of being able to come back to the theater again. And I feel like that was a great opportunity to sort of celebrate the history of film and celebrate the excitement of being able to go back to the theater. And they barely touched on that. There was a disconnect. Like the one of the best ads for Promising Young Woman has been recently where they talk about one film started a conversation. You know, it does the quotes and shows the clips and goes, are you listening? It's a great clip. Makes it seem like it's an important movie. It's a movie that's capturing the zeitgeist. And on a smaller scale, it did. The Oscars just did not bother to play play that up. Like, you could have easily played into, like, you know, this was a movie that was generating conversation. Mm-hmm. They, they, like, shied away from the movies. And that's a shame. Did they do the best picture? Like, uh, usually they say, and this is Nomadland. Let's do a two-minute nope. clip. Oh, they yeah, no, they normally do that, and then you kind of spread it throughout the evening. We got yeah. none of that. I'm guessing that was in the pre-show also, which, again, I didn't dislike the pre-show, but it was not not well done. But who's tunes in for the pre-show? People who, your audience, not that not the people yeah. you're trying to hook in early. They, they needed to hook people in to come in for the first 10 minutes and say, hey, I'm going to watch this, but they didn't. You can take films that people hadn't seen and make them interesting. They didn't even try. They like, yeah. well, we'll just do the awards and praise all the people who made these things. And if you're not into it, tough shit. Well, well yeah, like in, that... in, in the past, they've done a great job of you. You get a sense of the nominated films and they show enough clips mm-hmm. through the various categories they're nominated for that by the end, you're like, well, you know what? I should check out Cold exactly. Mountain or, you know, maybe I would enjoy Black Panther, you know, whatever it, the case may be, whatever you haven't seen. There's no incentive that they provided to follow up it's like oh this one this okay great i haven't heard of this and so i can't and i haven't seen a clip of it to sort of gauge how good the writing or the acting or whatever is so yeah there's just no emotion to it yeah. indeed well here's hoping next year will be better we'll talk about it more um let's let's pivot the trailers because some things that might even be in next year's race have debuted over the last couple weeks we won't talk a lot about the older ones but like you know those who wish me dead had a trailer looks good maybe not an awards movie kind of maybe falling into that like wind river type situation but it's there uh the woman in the window exists still looks like it's a mess (laughs) um f9 will do it's like tech nod maybe thing uh something that was uh very interesting potentially uh shang chi and the legend of the ten rings um certainly looks really cool i i'm not a huge martial arts person so that that type of movie is not inherently my favorite but the marvel version of it certainly is uh is very intriguing i know everyone kind of gushed over the trailer about a week ago yeah absolutely well as someone who is a martial arts fan i'm very excited for this but i'm also excited because it's kind of 
you get the best of both worlds because you know from a cynical standpoint they're obviously trying to position this as essentially the asian black panther equivalent uh where they've got a 98 percent asian cast they've got an asian director um so they've got all that they're introducing a new character but they're also using it as an opportunity to sort of follow up on the character of the mandarin which famously got somewhat butchered in iron man 3 but now we're getting the real mandarin and they made some tweaks to the comic lore so that the mandarin is now shang chi's father and so you kind of get to introduce this new hero while finally following up on that villain who in a iron man less world wouldn't necessarily make as much sense to visit yeah I mean, it's one of those ones where I'm curious what the next trailer is, but you know, it it looks good. I'm I'm curious when we're going to see uh, an Eternals trailer. Honestly, that's the one I really want to see. Yeah, I'm excited for that one. It comes out in November, so my guess is first trailer comes around the time that either Shang Chi or Black Widow actually come to theaters. Exactly. Um, what else did we have? We had uh, the Conjuring. The Devil Made Me Do It, God. which I, I listen. I like both Conjuring movies. It is a little wild that they're just going through the the quote unquote true case files of these of the of the of the Warrens, and I, I just would I would kill to know how much they have to like, you know, mess around with the actual truth to get to this like story, um, and the fact that they're always so like stunned that there's a that there's an actual demon in this uh, scenario. They they should just expect it at this point. <laughs> Yeah, the surprise is always fresh. Well, and, you know, you, you can't ever put too much stock in the based on a true story with these things. A lot of the time, the true story was there was a house where some people died, and then a new family moved into that house, and then, yeah, one, and I think and the then one night a door like, moved, and that's the whole story. The Warrens are, are kind of nuts, right? That's, yeah. Yeah, we, we're, we're not supposed to take them too seriously. But yeah, this will be this will be certainly fine entertainment on HBO Max. Exactly. Um, and then the two more awards-friendly ones. First, there was Annette, which uh, Leo's Leo's Caracas. I don't remember. We we have we were debating off air how to pronounce his name, but the filmmaker who did Holy Motors, which is holy fucking great, um, <laughs> substitutes Danny Levant for Adam Driver, getting slightly more attractive. Uh, it looks really cool, really original, and uh, a little crazy. So I'm I'm all about it. It could it could be a spectacular failure, but it looks. Like it's going to be, you know, number one on someone's list or like worst movie of the year for people. So I'm all about that kind of movie. Oh, absolutely. Well, I'm listen, whether it's a dumpster fire or, you know, a slamming success, it's going to be interesting and it looks wild and weird in the best possible way. You know, I really hope it becomes a contender. But even if it's just a interesting curiosity, I'll probably be satisfied with that. Yeah, yeah, listen, Adam Driver is like a shock com- stand up comic. I'm into it. I like big swings. Steve. Yeah, big swinging dicks. Uh, no, just <laughs> oh, <laughs> walked right into it. Um, good thing it was big when you walked right into it. And then the 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 biggest one, West Side Story, it, using the Oscars as the debut. Is this the biggest one? I feel like this is the trailer I had the least reaction to of the ones you just mentioned. Yeah, no, it's not. It's the biggest one in terms of like knowledge you know like it's it's walking in with like a hundred million dollars and seven oscar nominations whether it deserves them tbd it looks fine i you know this may be blasphemy but i don't like think west side story is this untouchable like masterpiece but i also don't need to see a remake 
So it's it's more like an obligation of like it's Spielberg. I'm sure it'll be fine. And some of the visuals look very nice, but well, there is that one I, really nice shot where it's is it the jets and the sharks and they're like walking to the yeah. warehouse and like their shadows are kind of crossing over each other. That looked really cool. But yeah, yeah no, you're that, watching it. It's hard to get yeah. excited about any movie that stars Ansel Elgort, but that's that's true. I mean, he's he's about to be in season two of Sugar and Spicy if he keeps it up. Um, but no, they uh, you know you're watching it to see how Steven Spielberg directs a musical. That's that's really it. Fingers yeah. crossed. I'd like to see him in season two. Yeah. I mean, uh, Ansel. What's a food thing for Elgort? Ansel yogurt. Ansel yogurt. There we go. All right, well, we'll he's put probably, it on the back prob- burner for season two. Problem was, he was trying to share his yogurt with a child, so oh. that was not a, a good choice on his part. Uh, speaking of not good choices, I I, I think we're going to diverge a little bit on how we feel about Mortal Kombat, but I hope we can agree that, uh, hey, Miles, let's you and I are going to write a Mortal Kombat movie. Let's say they hired us. Bad movie pitches, right? Sure. Warner Brothers is like, Mortal Kombat. For some reason, they think we're a good team. What do you think the first thing we should include in it is? Well, the thing I, I think I know where you're going with this, and uh, <laughs> probably the first thing you would want to add in a movie about the Mortal Kombat tournament is the tournament itself, which in this version feels like it happens off screen. Yeah, it doesn't. There is no tournament in the Mortal Kombat movie. Wild, and like unless it's super meta, because how familiar are you with the original game? Oh, pretty, pretty familiar. Well, and I also did, yeah, like, did a couple deep dives and on YouTube up to the lore, sort of building up to it. What's crazy is the lore and the game are wildly different. Like the game is a fighting game. The lore is this deep, like, you know, century spanning thing that you, you really only get. Like if you're reading or you beat the game with the individual characters, like. I feel like they took the wrong lessons. Now, like the fight scenes, totally fine. The gore is, you know, out there and pretty, pretty violent. And, you know, it's undeniably satisfying on like a lizard brain level. Not lizard. That's a shitty character in this movie. Reptile. Like watching. Yeah, reptile. But you know what I mean? Like that was not that was not what I wanted from reptile. Because like, well, hey, I think I'll take it over Gex on crack that we got from the 95 movie true but you know i i wanted like green sub-zero you know uh scorpion with like the added bonus of also being uh uh you know lizard of some sort you want a ninja uh, but, that pulls off its mask and it's got a little lizard head i get it basically like doesn't that sound awesome <laughs> it, and no, it uh, sounds great and yeah reptile is a bit of a disappointment melina is a bit of a disappointment uh raiden I mean, is biggest, a fucking chump in this movie he's just sitting around whining about everything i mean the biggest disappointment is also goro Oh, yeah. Goro's gone from being like the prince who won nine straight uh, victories to like a thug who gets sent to dispatch the guy nobody thinks has any powers. And decisively loses. (laughs) Yeah, gets his ass kicked. It's really kind of embarrassing. He's used as the excuse to be like, oh, I guess he's not shitty after all. Um, Besides the fact that they, you know, made up a character. Well, you have who's who's just a total, you know, you audience know, non-event of a character like there's 12 games or something like that at this point 11 games you really could have picked almost anyone and like you know mild spoiler who cares 
not have Johnny Cage. Like he's the he's the big like we need to start the Avengers. Let's go get Johnny Cage. Yeah, Johnny Cage. He's what's going to turn this team around. Yeah, the the actor who's notoriously like a chump and, you know, is going to is essentially going to be the guy who has to learn to fight. I did not love that stuff. Watching like Scorpion and Sub-Zero fight was fun. Some of the stuff was great. Most of it was garbage. I didn't need like a solid half hour of like shielding the fact that one of the supposed heroes is going to become a villain. Like you're making him so obnoxious. It's going to happen. Oh yeah. Um, well, and he's not notoriously a villain in all the games as well as being Sonya's yeah. like, you know, mortal enemy. So the idea that he was ever going to stay a good guy is kind of laughable. Yeah. I didn't, I didn't get that. Cause it's, it's a, it's a movie that's made almost solely for fans of the game. Right. Well, I would even go go a step further and say fans of the last, like, three or four games, because it's very much done in that style. Yeah. So, like, if you love those, I guess you liked it, but also, I would be so annoyed. So, yeah, my two and a half star review is, I think, pretty on point. Steve, did you watch it? I did not watch it, and I don't plan to. I mean, here's, here's, here's what I'll say real quick, is I have long held the belief that the video game movie has the potential to be the next comic book movie in terms of yeah. fads. I It hasn't gotten there yet. It hasn't gotten anywhere close. But we also have to remember that before we got like, you know, the three, two, one punch of Blade, X-Men, Spider-Man in the late 90s, early 2000s, which kind of moved comic book movies into the realm of, oh, these can actually be good. We got, and we got Iron, of- Iron Man Dark Knight. Well, well, yeah, that really kicked it off. But you got to remember, for years before that, we had stuff like Howard the Duck and, you know, Steel with Shaq and stuff like that. So there's plenty of good material to make a great video game movie, and it just hasn't happened yet. There's been a lot of close calls. There's stuff like Silent Hill or Warcraft or I would argue this that like kind of push the needle, but don't quite get get there. And yeah. I, I like this more than you did. I actually thought the action was kind of incredible. I thought some characters like Sub-Zero and Scorpion were really well done, even though the majority of them kind of felt wasted. I like Kano as the comic relief. I, like, there's a lot I liked about it. And like you said, in a lizard brain kind of way, I think it's quite entertaining. It doesn't, you know, it's not the first great one, but I think it's still a no. nudge in the right direction. I think the fact that it's one of the better ones is also still telling us where we're at in this evolution absolutely Uh, were you a fan of the game oh big time yeah Yeah. i mean i am not a big fighting game fan i like stories but yeah it was fun to play i just i very clearly remember at my friend's house watching him and sort of playing with him on the computer you know the first game and and realizing like oh it's because it was it was very difficult to do the fatalities and all the 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 various moves Mm -hmm. so if i lucked into doing it it was very satisfying um i i played the newer ones they feel like they have more of a story, you know, leading up to a fight. They're okay. Um, if I'm going to play a fighting game these days, I like the Injustice games with the with the with the Marvel. I mean, the DC characters. But that's another story. I <clears throat> I did a thing a, while, a couple of years ago, like which video games <clears throat> would make good movies, and I think you have to look at the very story based games already. You know, like The Last of Us. Mm-hmm. which like, is getting an that HBO had, series exactly and they even said you know Neil Druckmann is working on the show and he's like we don't have to pause for combat you know we'll, we'll put that in where it seems appropriate 
but we're not teaching anyone how to play the game. So there's no artificial interruptions. So we can just tell a story. I, I you know, I've, I've resisted for years the idea of like a Grand Theft Auto game, uh, movie. But I actually recently started playing the last one again, uh, five, because it's on Game Pass. And I forgot how like really enjoyable the story is. If you take away some of like the craziness of it, you know, people hear Grand Theft Auto, they think of like, you know, bashing in a hooker's face with a baseball bat. But, you know, Grand Theft Auto 4 is a really interesting story with Nico and his like immigrant story. Mm -hmm. So like you have potential there, you know, like Mass Effect could work. Um, Bioshock is one I think would be fantastic. Bioshock could work. It's just too expensive. They keep trying. Well, um, you know Gore what? Verbinski nearly made it, and I think that would have been such a perfect fit, but it didn't come together. He, yeah, he insisted on the R rating, and they wouldn't do it. Well, um, you know, yeah, I get it. You know what? You know what? I think would work. It's very dumb if you think about it, but if you don't think about it, Heavy Rain is great. Oh, it just that story the, is fucking bonkers, though. <laughs> yeah, I like think even by the standards think, of the Saw movies, which you and I give a lot of leeway to, it's still pretty fucking out there. I think you would need a real writer to be like, okay, I got to fix some of this up. Yeah, but right up until it gets insane. So I'd say about seventy-five percent of the way of the game, get way of it through. It it's playing kind of like seven, you know, or like uh, you know what it's playing like? It's playing like an Andrew Kevin Walker script. It's playing close to like eight millimeter or something like that. It, it reminded but, me of like uh, Taking Lives with Angelina Jolie. Yeah, 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 there's there's plenty of that stuff. So like you can do it. You just need the right material, and they they yeah. they're not they're choosing bigger games, but they're not choosing the right games. Like you know, Prince of Persia. Besides casting you know an incredibly white man to play that guy, um, you know what's the story? Do you remember uh, the story Sand, of Prince of Persia? Time has a bit of a story, and there's a, a loose story throughout that trilogy. It's not one that the movie decides. No, it's to not follow, one using but... in the movie, but you know they they don't they don't take the right lessons. You know you can. Yeah. That's that that's why like remember why they thought it was a good idea to make Super Mario the movie. Well, because what's the story of Super Mario? Well, well, never mind. Make it a live action movie that has almost nothing to do with it. And I mean, yeah, really, here's into what dinosaurs. I'll say about Mortal Kombat as well is it I mean outside of you know certain character depictions the broad strokes of it are pretty accurate to the game there's the yes, emphasis no, they... on the violence and the action which is what the games are and the stories in the background as it is in the games so if you look at it that way it is a faithful adaptation but that's why I think people still need to f think outside the box. We haven't hit that formula yet. Like they found with like Spider-Man and X-Men. We yeah. haven't found the formula where, okay, here's how we make it good. All right. Yeah. Steve, finish him. Acha. I don't know. <laughs> do you have any thoughts on, do you have any thoughts on the video game? I kicked you in the shin. Uh, no, I don't. I don't play enough anymore. I just don't. I think that the issue with most of them, when they try to turn them into movies though, is that, like Mortal Kombat. I, I always thought the issue with that game was there's nothing to it. You're just a series of fighting. It was like Mike Tyson's Punch-Out. <laughs> I would watch that movie. But that's but what's the plot? Actually, you could have a plot there because you could have training and you can have yeah. a boxer working his way up. You know what? You, you know, know what Mike Tyson's again. You know what Mike Tyson's Punch-Out was missing? A pit level. <laughs> that would be amazing. All right, let's move on. It's it's clearly our best picture front runner, but uh, you know, where we at so before we get to sugar and spicy let's talk about something that's actually good the uh Cheers finale of 
<laughs> well, I was talking about Mortal Kombat, but I, I wondered if you would take it that way. I took it um, that way. Yeah. Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Or, spoiler alert, Captain America and the Winter Soldier. I don't know why they didn't go one further and do, like, Captain America and the White Wolf or something. Because surely yeah. Bucky's arc throughout the whole show is to not still be considered the Winter Soldier. It is the only thing he wants in life. Yeah, but the, he's he's the one who gets still stuck with his nickname, but Falcon gets to become Captain America. Side side note quickly, and I, I like this show a lot. I would argue in some ways better than WandaVision, in some ways not. Um, wasn't, like, hugely fond of the finale. We'll talk about it in a minute. Bucky is is a man out of time. Yes? Yes. Mm-hmm. He seemed to adjust way better than Steve. Well, like, because not... he got to do his adjustments off screen. Yeah, but still, like he, so he, you gotta remember, like, he was essentially, you know, frozen, just like, uh, just like Steve. And then up until the events of Winter Soldier, isn't himself, like he's the Winter Soldier brainwashed or basically back on ice for all intents and purposes, right? Is the Winter Soldier then goes to what kind like spends less time than Steve adjusting to the modern world and is navigating it pretty perfectly. Well, there is one key difference though, because think about where Steve lives after he gets thawed out. You know, he works with Shield, he lives at the Avengers compound. He's very much in a bubble, you know, yeah. with other superheroes or sort of, you know, with sort of military, you know, nostalgia. Bucky, you know, there's the Wakanda stuff and there's all the stuff he does in between. But by the time we get to him in the show, he's living in an apartment and he's like, you know, making a bad attempt at first dates and you know he's got like friends he's going to his therapist he's living something closer to a normal person's life than steve ever actually got around to yeah i'm guessing i'm guessing in wakanda they probably you know gave him like the history of the world since you've sure. been gone here's how because he, he was an the, app <laughs> yeah i was about to say because he does use a, a phone like steve yeah. was very puzzled by technology which was funny but still yeah um yeah, I, I, I enjoyed the show quite a bit. I thought up until the end, the finale was just kind of an episode. You know, like, here's the big showdown, which I didn't really need because it's it's TV. It's still not going to be fight sequences on the level of the movie. But I will say, and we're spoiling it a little bit, um, when, when Sam finally gets to give his, like, inaugural Captain America speech of, like, listen, guys, Do some better. of you are always going to hate me, first of all, because I'm black. Like, I just have to live with the fact that you're going to look at character Captain America now and other him, which is the exact opposite of what we always assumed Captain America stood for. But listen, this is the modern world and you're wrong. I have to deal with you being wrong, but you're wrong. So we should all do better because it's like it is ridiculous that you're looking at basically your, you know, your hero. Like, this is the person who you're best. You know, and I, you know, it took me a while to get there, but I'm, I'm ready to embrace that role. And because of the way I look, you're going to assume I'm lesser than you, not even your equal. I thought that was really well done, mm-hmm. um, yeah. even though, you know, I don't I don't know what changes we're going to see out of it. But it was the moment we, we, we deserve. And also, you know, they did not plan this, but at a time where, you know, it's something people who maybe, you know, like Marvel, but don't necessarily agree with that kind of stuff. It's a great Trojan horse for like, can you can you just treat other people with respect, man? Like, is it that hard? So I, I was very, you know, it's it's, you know, luck that or bad luck that the world is the way it is. But surprisingly, Marvel was there to address it. Um. Well, yeah, I, I mean, I love that speech that felt to me 
it was a very Captain America speech, but it, you know, I think uh, Sam sort of put his own, he made it his own as he made the whole persona his own. Um, I really liked the finale. I think I liked it considerably more than the WandaVision finale. I I think the, sh- the two shows probably balance out for me in terms of I like them about equally, but for very different reasons. But with Falcon and Winter Soldier, because WandaVision started really strong and had a really neat gimmick, but the more it got into the plot stuff and the sort of broader Marvel Universe stuff, and especially at the end when it's just, you know, people flying around shooting lightning at each other, um, it, it sort of lost the thread a bit. Um, yeah. But with this one, I felt like it got mostly better each episode. And there were some things about the, the finale that I was a little underwhelmed with. Um, the biggest one being that I think John Walker's arc took a huge left turn out of nowhere. And I was really getting into the idea that he was kind of going to end up being the villain of the show. And he had a couple of moments in episode five where it's like, oh, he's a lunatic and kind of a monster. And he would make a really, you know, compelling antagonist. And you get a really stark juxtaposition between Sam, who's like the right Captain America, and this guy who's like evil Captain America. I, I, we didn't really I was get say, that. Yeah. Uh, Mark Bernardin had the, had the best response. I think it was after episode five. Um, where he said, um, Chris Evans is who America thinks they are. Uh, John Walker is who America really is. And Sam is who America could be. Basically, because we weren't there yet. But that was yeah. what, you know, the not even subtext text of the show is like, mm-hmm. you know, oh, very much we so. all want to. Yeah, we all want to be Steve Rogers, but nobody is really Steve Rogers. And at our core, way too many of us are John Walker. Well, Zemo even basically said it himself. There's only ever been one Steve Rogers. Yeah. Also wild that Zemo winds up being like the most rational character in the show. Well, he kind of stole the show. I was a little disappointed that they basically retired him in the last two episodes because for those middle two, he's on fire. He's, you know, everything he does is compelling. And again, glad they did dancing. Glad they didn't make him a villain. Like I would have been very annoyed if they spent all that time like bringing him out and like slowly bringing you along to be like i guess we can sort of trust him while also putting in those little cuts of him looking untrustworthy to you know it would have been a little false if it was like oh no he's really pulling all the strings it was like no he's he's legitimately like along for the ride of like i'm i'm here for a good time not a long time cool let's do this um Though he could certainly show up in like Thunderbird, Thunderbolts, or um, oh yeah, I think you know. I think him and Walker and a couple of other characters, Julia Louis Dreyfus's character, they're all being sort of set to the side for we are going to follow up with them in whether it's going to be the Captain America four movie that's in the works or another season of this or however they want to do it, a different show entirely. But I think these are all characters that we're going to come back to for sure. Yeah. Also, I love how many people probably went running. To Twitter and Google at the end of that show, be like, who's the old man? Not realizing it's it's the butler. Yeah, yeah. I, I didn't pick up on that when I saw the episode. I, I And so I completely missed the whole idea that Zemo had orchestrated that. Also, why are you having like a 90-year-old butler handling explosives and stuff? That's not safe. He, I mean, that butler spent a lot of time like waiting for Zemo to get out. I think he was more than thrilled. But to, then he was uh, just like ready to go with the plane and food and stuff like let that guy retire. Why is he? Why do you got to have such an old butler? They do it in Spider Man as well. Harry Osborne's got a butler that's got one foot in the grave and like can barely yeah. remember stuff. Like I don't like that trope. It's it's weird. yeah. Nobody nobody like like okay. Let's let's play this out for a second. You 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 stumble upon a billion dollars. All right. You just you have a billion dollars now. 
and you decide you're going for a butler. Like, who are you getting? Michael Caine. So but, you see, you're part of the problem. You're getting like an old man. Uh, yeah, I, I, wa- I want somebody who's like able-bodied. If you're going to clean a mansion, be able to like walk up the stairs, you know? But you know what it is? Like they're hiring like your 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 best friend. Like think about who what these butlers always are. They're everything, right? They're like your confidant and they're cooking for you and cleaning and they go everywhere with you. Like I don't know why you want like your grandfather doing it. I want like like a like a 25-year-old woman to be like my best friend, not like Aren't they like hand-me-downs from their parents? These aren't Why well, I think that's the idea is that they're like is. generational yeah. and they got hired like, you know, by the generation or even the generation before that and so they've just well, been I'm in saying, the family. You, we're we're breaking the chain. Yeah. Like we need to set this know, right. Want, yeah, I want like I want like Nata- like 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 Black Widow. Like remember when she was just working at Stark? Oh yeah. Like that yeah. should be like, you know, as not you know as opposed to John Favreau. Like that's who you should have like as your right-hand man, right-hand woman. Like that seems way more productive. When I want someone blowing people up, I want it to be the same guy who my parents had blow someone up, you know, I tradition. Yeah. Mm. I mean, you're a Russian you supercell, so. <laughs> exactly. For, for, the, for the number one American family. Um, but yes, the show. Was yeah, great. to go back to go back to the finale. I actually really enjoyed the sort of the first half with the action set piece. I thought it was a nice little multi-layered thing. Like everyone kind of had fun. their individual stuff to do. I like. I love Falcon, or I love the new Captain America suit. I like how he sort of incorporates the use of the shield with his regular sort of Falcon abilities. It's a nice yeah. play. I like that he didn't sort of take the easy route and go for the super serum in the end it makes him more compelling that he's a very human captain america yeah. who's also the I only mean, captain america that doesn't cover his brain with a helmet or something yeah i'm also curious since it's a wakandan uniform right is yeah. it is it vibranium stuff is it like black panther where it's basically invincible uh the wings probably are i don't know the rest of it looked like you know mesh or felt or something like that but then again which, vibranium which if it's is magic not, so it can be anything yeah which if it's not why like, wouldn't you be a little annoyed if you're him and they give you, like, the not-as-good uniform? Because, you know, like, like didn't we see in Black Panther there's a lot of uniforms, right? He, he's got they, a handful. Well, because Killmonger ends up using, like, uh, one of the backup ones. Yeah, and, like, in the movie, like, Siri, like, upgrades him. You know, like, I just work, yeah. like, she's always tinkering. Like, if they're willing to, like, make this, and, and if they didn't, you know, however long this series takes place, right? Not super long, right? It's pretty pretty streamlined. Yeah. They they weren't working on it for that long. So wouldn't they have just taken, like, one of the suits and spray-painted it red, white, and blue and, you know, trimmed a little bit? Well, because they got to factor in the wings because that's what he's comfortable with. Well, and also, they, I don't think they would prioritize, you know, doing a favor for a friend of a friend as opposed to, like, making something specifically for their king. Yeah, but I, you got to wouldn't, wouldn't, like, so so at this point... Not to bring it down a little bit, but like he's alive, right? Like they're as not far, they're as not going as we know, yeah, yeah. They're not going to address his passing until the actual like Black Panther two, yeah. So like, wouldn't he? Well, have, if that's like, even what happens, yeah, they'll do something. But like, wouldn't he? Wouldn't he like approve? You know, he is the king. He's a it's a political thing. Like, wouldn't he like be aware of the technology being used? Hey, we're sending uh, that Sam Wilson guy a suit. Wouldn't he like be aware? Like, it seems oddly petty. Like he knows Sam. He's met him. They've hung out. Well, have they? I don't know that they ever have a direct interaction. They were, yeah, like, in the room I mean, together. He's in the room. But so is everyone in Infinity War. I don't think they ever share a line of dialogue or anything like that. 
Maybe in maybe in Civil War. Um, they, I don't even think in that. I think he's in the I, car. Oh, no, yeah, they're the car, in the car right? together. and they, Well, yeah, but that's at the point where they hate each other. So, I mean, I, I think he's got more of a relationship with Bucky because there's a the whole thing where they sort of adopted him to help cure the mind wipe stuff. And he gave yeah. him the new arm and all that. So I think it's a lot of Bucky asked for a favor and they're helping him out because he's the one they have a relationship with. Yeah. Sam is just it's, some guy who like the King fought with for a little while. And then a few years later, he showed up to help with the fight a little fair. I mean, I guess it just feels like that scene in family guy where it's like, we have the technology, we can rebuild him, but we don't want to spend a lot of money. You know, it's like the six, you know, hundred dollar man. It's like, you have the good stuff. Come on. It's like, if you go to someone's house and they don't offer you the good booze, like, come on. True, but um, you also don't want to turn him into, like, War Machine. It's got to be light enough that he can, like, fly around and be a bit more agile. Yeah, I suppose. Small, Did they small have thing. to give him that neck gear, though? That was... I don't care for that. The neck gear into the into the goggles. It was Well, Steve is notoriously a vampire and likes access to necks. Yeah, exactly. Well, yeah. I mean, I don't disagree with that, but it is incredibly faithful to uh, his costume from the comics. So I think that okay. was the motivation yes. there. Yeah, they were locked in there. Um, and to tie in, so we didn't really talk about it previously. The fifth episode is amazing. It's the best of the show. Yeah. And agreed. they um, then tie in, wrap up the show. They announced Captain America 4. So Sam gets his own movie, which fulfills an, a promise that I think a lot of people kind of slept on from Kevin Feige that we were going to take, you know, somewhat lesser known or, you know, addressed characters and build them up on on Disney Plus and then give them their own movie. I think people thought like, oh, they're going to they're going to do that with, you know, Miss Marvel and all these people. And they're going to like force feed us characters we don't care about or don't care about yet. Like, no, we're going to give you another Captain America movie and we're just going to make you really care even more about Sam, which was was a wildly successful choice. Yeah, I think so. Well, and I think the, the thing that impressed me the most about the show as a whole was there was this sort of, you know, really potent dramatic potential in actually exploring the notion of what would it be like for a black man to be Captain America, both for him and for sort of society at large? And rather than sort of, you know, shying away from that, it actually addressed it head on. And, you know, especially in the last few episodes really made it sort of everything that it's built about. I love the scenes with um, with Isaiah Bradley and where he restores yeah. his statue in the museum. I thought that was really effective. I don't know. They just there was a lot they could have let a few things slide. They could have gone the easy route and they did actually lean into stuff. I think honestly, the biggest failing of the show, apart from uh, Walker's sort of villainous arc getting shortchanged was, I guess who turned out to be the technical actual villain, which was uh, Carly from the flag smashers. Yeah. She was a little lame. Well, they're clearly trying to do like a killmonger style, like you get what she where she's coming from, but you don't agree with her methods. But she's just murdering people left and right. And yeah, like, she, I never there's never, never, never a moment did that for me. There's never a moment where she redeems herself, which is one thing I was expecting from the finale. Like maybe no, a, just a heroic sacrifice or something. No, nah, she just gets shot. And then she's like, yeah. I'm sorry mm-hmm. at the end. You're not sorry. Which is, which is You're the, sorry which is you the, died. Which, yeah, which is the failing yeah. because one of the things Black Panther did so well is like Killmonger's right. Like, yeah. Well, and, and, you know, 
uh, uh, T'Challa ends up changing pretty much his entire worldview and stance on governing as a result of the interaction with Killmonger. And they which is to kinda, say that they kind of do that here because Sam brings her body up and like kind of uses her as the impetus to get into his big speech. But I didn't yeah. feel like that was enough to have spent so much time with her and her friends. No, and Just, he didn't deserve that treatment. Like you felt like at the end, like if Killmonger hadn't died, you're like, I don't know that he's still a villain. Yeah. Like I think they, you know, they they had their fight. They're 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 related. And I think, you know, they I don't know that Killmonger has seen the other side at all, but I think he's satisfied with I prove my point. Yeah. And which is which is where I think the sort of real shame we talked about this a couple weeks ago, but unless they find a real clever way to bring him back, like th- he 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 definitely could have ascended to become the next Black Panther. Oh, yeah. And, like, that would have been a real interesting thing of, like, almost in, in the better version of the John Walker, like, you know, we had the best of us. Now we have someone who's a whole other way of doing things. But can he rise to the occasion as opposed to, you know, burning it all down because to make a point? Right. He made his point. He got what he wanted without having to, you know, destroy the world. Now, are you up to protecting Wakanda? And are you up to, like, having a relationship with America, which... You know, even in Black Panther, they just like didn't treat you very well. Like, how are you going to reconcile those things? So they may still do it. But well, I do know that uh, that Michael B. Jordan is confirmed to be in the uh, What If series. So they might just leave it as like an episode of that. Like, what if Killmonger did become Black Panther? So, you know, we might get some of that. When does that come out? That's sometime this year. They don't have a release date on it yet, but I think left this year. We got Loki in June. We're going to get What If, I think, by the end of the summer, if I had to guess. And we'll probably also get Hawkeye and Miss Marvel to round out the year. Hawkeye, I know, is, I think, done shooting. It just wrapped Um, shooting, yeah. So I think that'll be ready before year's end. Yeah, I I know that for a reason. I will tell you guys off air. Ooh. Yeah. Yes. Um, So before we get into Sugar and Spicy, I just want to say... we, we concluded our first Oscar season. It seemed to go very well. We had interviews with some of the best and brightest of the industry, and we're, we're well on our way to uh, Emmy coverage already. So mm-hmm. lest you thought I was going on vacation, and God, I would like to. Uh, no, we're, we're full steam ahead. I just uh, set up Date TBD, but I'm going to be interviewing Sarah Paulson for Ratchet. So we already uh, we already booked a big name, and uh, there's there's some other ones still to come. Uh, that are that are damn exciting, I want to say. So thank you for, for paying attention to us and continue to. You know, those of you who know me long enough know that TV is not my strong suit, but that's why there's other people at the site. We are going to have plenty of TV coverage. You know, because that's part of the, the season. So, And please don't let the following episode of Sugar and Spicy deter you from continuing to listen. <laughs> this is true. We are we are now hitting the season finale of Sugar and Spicy, episode five. Uh, Miles didn't want to do the full six. He didn't want to do uh, he didn't want to do a Falcon and Winter Soldier. Well, I think Loki's only five episodes, so let's just say we're going with that. There you're doing the full Loki, which is actually illegal in Florida, I think, under some old laws, right? It is, but my girlfriend still loves when I pull it out. Yeah, exactly. She she won't she won't rat on you just yet. That's my so. real girlfriend, not Heather Graham Cracker. How does your real girlfriend feel about Heather Graham Cracker? She thinks the whole thing is a bit silly. I mean, that's she's not wrong. She's not wrong. (laughs) She's not wrong. Um, All right. So let's get into it, guys. Um, Steve, are you ready? I am ready. 
All right. Miles, Miles better be ready. He wrote the damn thing. Um, as ready as I'm going to be. Yep. So uh, here you guys go. Uh, Miles, who produced this episode? This episode and the season as a whole was directed and produced by Steven Sodabred. So if you're not happy with the way it concluded, take it up with him. What a twist. Uh, here we go. Sugar and Spicy, Episode 5. The Kentucky Fried Chickens Come Home to Roost. Written with a great sense of relief by Miles Hughes. Tonight, on a very special season finale of Sugar and Spicy, we check in one last time with our intrepid hero and less trepid not-quite hero. Lymphamous Hollywood sex pest Kevin Spicy, voiced by Nicolas Cage, finally reclaim his lost stardom? Will devastatingly handsome screenwriter Miles Hughes finally be rid of his overbearing neighbor? Will his girlfriend, Heather Graham Cracker, finally break up with him over his affiliation with this perverted pepper? Will any of the other outstanding plot threads from the last four episodes get a satisfying resolution? Or will this be more of a Game of Thrones situation? Or should I say, Game of Scones? Eh? Eh? Anyway. We open in Miles' standard sitcom apartment, which is just as standard as the last time we saw it. There's a chili pepper-shaped hole in the wall from where Kevin Spicy made his last entrance. There are snacks and booze all over the place. Miles is sitting on the couch watching the 2021 Olive Awards while Kevin paces around the world a room, occasionally stopping to write in a small notebook. Congratulations again to Cookie Zhao for winning Best Director for Nectarland. She is only the second woman in all of history to win the award, as well as being the first cookie to do so. <laughs> and now, the nominees for Best Editing. Putting Best Director an hour into the show? What the hell were they thinking? I kind of like it. Spices things up a bit, you know? You would. All right, I've got it. We do a versus movie. Those are popular right now. Just look at Godzilla vs. Korn, Freddy vs. Jerky, Cracker vs. Kramer, Beatman vs. Sushi Man, Doe v. Wade. <laughs> Not the best example, but I like where your head is at. All we need to do is find someone even more reviled than I am. I can beat them up, and then I immediately seem that much more palatable by comparison. If it worked for Uwe Bowl of Fruit, why not me? Did it work for Uwe Bowl of Fruit? Of course it worked for Uwe Bowl of Fruit. Everybody loves that guy. Miles looks very pointedly at the camera, raising his eyebrow. Now come on, help me think. Who can we get who's worse than me? Who's worse than me? Uh... <laughs> you know what? I sought myself up for that one. Touché. How uncharacteristically self-aware of you. Uh, oh, I know. How about Honey Weinstein? Oh, that's a good one. I like the sound of that. Yeah. Spicy versus Weinstein. The battle for the ages. Yeah. Pity he's in jail, though. Well, that's only a minor setback. Maybe we can break him out? Somehow, I don't think breaking Weinstein out of jail is going to help your public image. Fine, fine, fine. Forget the verses thing. Kevin crumples up the notebook page he was writing on and throws it into a very large pile of notebook pages in the corner. And the Olive Award for Best Actress goes to... 
Francis McDonut. Unbelievable. If she can win a third olive for taking a shit on screen, why can't I? There are so many answers to that question, I can't even choose my favorite. Don't suppose it would help to remind you that you didn't have a filming competition this year. Come on, man, don't sweat the details. Where's that sugary optimism I love so much? Oh, that died around episode two. Okay, okay, how about this? We get a hashtag going. All the big comeback stories nowadays. It did wonders for Zack Snyder's Justice League. I would argue that was something that people actually wanted to see, but I've already drunk too much Zack Snyder to argue. <laughs> no, no, this could work. I can see it now. Hashtag restore the spicy nod. What was the film you wanted to get nominated for again? The Men Who Stare at Grapes, obviously. You wanted to be nominated in 2021 for The Men Who Stare at Grapes, which came out in 2008. Yeah, why do you ask? No reason. <laughs> and now the nominees for Best Actor in a Leading Role are... Oh, better get your hashtag going. We're at the final category of the night. Wait, they're ending with Best Actor? What kind of award show does that? The kind that's angling for a manufactured emotional beat they're not going to get. Ritz Ahmed for Sound of Meatballs. Cherry Oldman for Manky Brains. Shit, we've got to get this hashtag trending. I've got to get on Twitter. Shit, I've got to download Twitter. <laughs> Salmon Yoon for Minari, which is already a food item. Anthony Hotdog for The Father, which still doesn't lend itself to any food puns. Oh man, it's down to the wire. I'm going to try and tag you in this hashtag. How do you tag someone? I'm pretty sure you just touch them and run away. <laughs> And Chadwick Boysenberry, who is definitely going to win tonight. The tweet is out. It's away. It's free like a bird. A bird who tweets. Tweeter. Twitter. Oh, hey, I get it now. The suspense is killing me. And the Olive Award for Best Actor goes to... Silence fills the room. The presenter seems to hesitate. Looking around for help. Miles leans forward with a look of concern. I've got a notification here saying that I've been banned by Twitter. What does that mean? It means that karma still exists. I can't believe I'm saying this, but the award goes to Kevin Spicy for the men who stare at grapes. Scratch that. Karma's dead. Here's to failing upward. How the flying fuck did you do that? <laughs> of course. Why didn't I think of it before? Kevin speeds out of the room creating a new hole in the wall next to the one that was already there. Miles silently counts to three, and as if on cue, Kevin crashes back through the wall again, leaving three identical chili pepper-shaped holes. He's carrying what looks like an old phone booth, which he places in the center of the room. What am I looking at? This, my friend, is a time machine. Fuck off it is. No joke. This is how I'm able to be anywhere and everywhere all the time. That actually explains a lot. Clearly, I used it to go back in time and influence the results somehow. Which means we've got to go back now and make that happen. <sighs> we? Come on, man. 
After everything we've been through, don't you want to go on one more crazy adventure together? Do I want to squeeze into a tight metal box with a notorious sexual predator so that we can go on a quote-unquote crazy adventure together? Not especially, no. (laughs) I can't do it without you, sugar. You're the wind beneath my sails, man. None of this would be possible without you. No way. I can't go on a narcissistic time travel mission and abandon my still somewhat famous girlfriend, Heather Graham Cracker. At this point, a sentient Graham Cracker with the face of Heather Graham sticks her head through one of the wall holes. Miles, I'm sorry, but this isn't working out. I'm leaving you. (laughs) What? Why? Actually, never mind. That checks out. Have a good life. (laughs) Heather leaves. Sugar and Spicy share an awkward moment. Spicy gestures toward the phone booth, time machine. They kiss. Huh? Huh? (sighs) Fuck it. That's a wrap on season one of Sugar and Spicy. Not so much Game of Thrones, more like the Sarah Connor Chronicles. Thanks for listening, and be sure to stay tuned to the Awards Radar podcast for more shenanigans to come. Womp womp. Best episode ever. Well, the credits are running, so you think there'll be a post-credit stinger? I think the creator is maybe a bit tired and loopy for an impromptu <laughs> post-credit stinger. But if you want, if there... you want to create your own Thanos-type character, go for it. There isn't, but there's a uh, there's a there's a thing at the bottom that says uh, "Sugar and Spicy will return" and "Sugar and Spicy season two sex pest on the run." <laughs> I guess they will. More adventures. Adventures. Oh, go ahead. And and listen, I I have a press release from the the Marvel uh, Cinematic Universe of Cookies, or whatever we're going to make the food pun out of. Um, They're going to be having adventures throughout the history of cinema. Oh, that's not a bad idea. Yeah, there we go. They go go way too far back in time. All right. Yeah, season two is them getting back to the future they gotta get back to the future <laughs> all right all right more adventures from sugar and spicy to come unless we decide to do something else it's true though in my head i do like the idea that we're gonna at some point have to write the lines i'll send you back to the future i mean so- somebody Lloyd's else barbecue. somebody else already wrote those for us but you know yeah listen he's fine with it christopher lloyd's barbecue is gonna have to send you back to the future it's your kids you gotta stay away from the kids there we go what's the uh what's the christopher lloyd food pun um well i was going with lloyd's barbecue but we can we can we can we can work on this christopher lloyd loin christopher Mm. pork loin christopher lemon nah christopher that name's a lemon ah Ah, the joy crisp Crisp Lloyd. Crisp, <laughs> crisp, crisp, uh, crisp, and Lloyd Glover. Crisp and Lloyd Glover. Oh, um, now we're just creating a fly style. Cri- oh, here we go. Here hybrid. we go. Chris yeah. Tofu Lloyd. Oh, that's good. Oh, there you go. That's a good one. Go. I'll take it. See, uh, once again, you guys got a uh, peek behind the curtain of, I mean, I just imagine, I just imagine this is how Keith and Kenny write most of their shows, right? 
In this case, the curtain that you're getting a peek behind is mesh that you can already see behind because, you know, production value. Yeah, yeah people can imagine the, like, marijuana wafts that are coming through this as you're coming up with this idea, right? Oh, of course. Well, actually, yeah. I just got my uh, second vaccine yesterday, so I am a little loopy right now. Oh, you're you're high on high on the fies. I'm I'm high on on not getting sick anymore this year. Mm. There you go. That uh, how's that five G treating you? You know, it's great. My phone works so much better now. I can actually play video games online. It's great. Only Microsoft games, though, right? Yeah. Well, that's a bummer. <laughs> I have a PS4, so what do I do? Yeah, you have Game Pass on your arm now, and you don't know what to do with it. Exactly. Ah. Uh. But yes, let's uh, let's close up shop, and next week we'll be full on into uh, the year in advance stuff. I uh, was going to do year in advance predictions this week, but I took pity on on everyone. Uh, my friend, um, actually, uh, publicist Andrea Resnick, who was at the Oscars, she worked with the um, makeup people, I believe, for Ma Rainey's Black Bottom. She was at their table. She was holding their Oscars. Very cool. Um, tweeted out earlier asking, please, please wait a week before we do these things. So she asks, I answer. So we'll, next week, we'll start talking more about the uh, 2021 contenders. But to wrap up, say where you can be followed. Um, so Kevin Spicy can follow you. And also recommend a movie that won zero Oscars, but was nominated. So of the things that went over, give a recommendation since God knows nobody took any recommendations from watching the show. Fair enough. Uh, mm-hmm. So you can find me on Twitter and letterboxd at miles on film. That's M Y L E S on film. Uh, please check out my short film, American exorcist, which is on YouTube under aftershock pictures. Uh, my recommendation for a film that was nominated but did not win anything. would have to be one night in Miami. Uh, I think it's, a film that's well liked, but maybe not as loved as uh, it needed to be. Uh, but it's really pretty spectacular. To me, it felt much less stagey than one of the other big stage adaptations of the year. Um, very promising directorial debut from Miss Regina King. Mm-hmm. Steve? I am Steve. And you can follow me on Twitter at Filmstork. Steve. And Letterboxd uh, at Filmstork as well. My recommendation is going to be a, uh, what was it? Live action short, Feeling Through, which is available on uh, YouTube right now for free. Um, highly recommend it. I thought it was actually better than Two Distant Strangers. It's sweeter. It had some good messages uh, in, in it, and it wasn't as over the top. Definitely not over the top. So, And you could pretty much watch it, I think, with the family. So if you're listening to this, that doesn't really matter, though, I'm sure. Hmm. Uh, Vin Diesel's gonna do the voice of Steve. I am Steve. When we do I the uh, the remake, family, family. Yeah, there you go. Uh, and you can follow me at Awards Radar and Joey Magazine, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Letterbox, Snapchat. Um, depending on how the rest of this year goes, OnlyFans. I keep making that joke. Um, and I'm gonna be pretty obvious and recommend the Trial of Chicago Seven. I, uh, you know, Netflix has uh, their annual, like, Ofer, you know, big nominated Ofer movie, and this one's it. And gotta tell you, they're making a nice collection of really good movies that don't win Oscars. Um, hell of a double feature, this and The Irishman. So, give it a look if you didn't. And if you have, watch it again. It's good. 
And next week, like I said, we'll be back with more looks at this year's upcoming films. We'll talk about what we've seen in the last week. Um, reviews will have been on the site by then of Without Remorse, speaking of Michael B. Jordan, uh, and uh, The Mitchells versus The Machines, which was uh, pretty good, I gotta say. So, yeah, I'm looking forward to that one. Yeah, be on the lookout for that. Yeah. And in the meantime, if you have not gotten your vaccine, get your vaccine. If you uh, if you have, get another one. Why not? You know, they're on sale. Double up. And uh, yeah, exactly. And then eventually we'll we'll get to be at the movies again. I'm I'm now uh, I'm I'm it's going to be almost 14 months since I've been at a movie. So I uh, I have earmarked May as the month where I go back to the movies. And there is a rumor that I will be at a press screening for Spiral. Oh. So there, there's talk of there being a press screening for that. So if there is, that'll be my return. If not, I'll probably end up going to like the draft house or something like that and, and you know, re, reintroducing myself to the uh, filmed arts. But in the meantime, we'll be back next week. Enjoy the second episode this week of uh, the Awards Radar podcast. And if you want to make Steve crazy... Write in with how much you like two episodes a week. <laughs> no, no. If you want to make Steve <laughs> dead, do that. Yeah. You'll be dead. All right. Have a good one, guys. Bye. Thanks for listening. Be sure to subscribe and to visit awardsradar.com for the best in awards and entertainment content.